God, I'm so thankful that your promises are yes and amen. I'm so thankful, God, that we can cling to the dreams and the prayers that we've been praying, that we can so trust you with our lives and we can trust you for those things, Lord, that you've given us, God, Lord, despite how we have treated them, despite how we have so walked away at times, Father God, despite the valleys and the circumstances that we're in, Father, your promises are still true. And Father, they're true today. So God, I ask, Lord, that you would meet us today, God. I ask, Lord, that your word would transform our lives, that we would have an awakening within our spirit as we approach this Advent season, Father, as we approach the coming of of this Christ child, Father God, as we talk about what you have done, God, I ask, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way in our lives, that this would not be an ordinary Christmas time, but it would be extraordinary because our focus is on you. Father, I thank you, Lord, that while you're the same God, you are constantly doing something new. And there's always more when it comes to you. So Father, would you move today? Would you anoint the word today, Father God? Would you let the words that come from my mouth that you don't want to be heard be forgotten, but the words that you have for us today, let them be remain for, eter- for, for eternity, God. And I ask, Lord, that they would truly change us. God, we thank you for who you are. We bless you this morning. What a privilege it is to worship you. May we never forget the privilege it is to come into your house, to come into your presence and worship you this morning with saints all around this globe, worshiping this King. We bless you this morning. We bless you this morning, God. You are so faithful. You are so, so good. And you are so on time. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Be blessed this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I wish circumstances were different and that I was looking at all of your beautiful faces today, but I do have hope that we will be together next week for both of our gatherings. And so you can plan on that right now. That is the, that is the, the, the plan. And I just want to thank all of the tech team and the worship team and everybody who's pulled together to really, uh, to, to make our service today uh, happen uh, on, on live stream. And uh, guys, you are just amazing. And I've been so blessed, Sherry and I've been so blessed to hear the encouragement of how God has been moving and has been answering prayers and healing people. And our list has dwindled down and down and down. I believe it's going to continue. Uh, you, you probably have seen Alan Smith posting nonsense on Facebook. So yes, he's doing better. Uh, people are doing, are, are doing better because God is moving and he is on the throne and he does answer prayers. Do you know that? He does answer prayers and, uh, and he is covering us so good. He is, he's just covering us so well. And so uh, we're just so grateful uh, uh, for that. So next week, we do plan on uh, gathering together in person. At this point, we plan on uh, gathering together uh, in person. Today marks the first day of the Advent season. And uh, so we are heading right into to Christmas. I'm sure that it was no surprise to you when you saw our stage decked out with presents and trees and all of those things. Uh, it is beginning to look a lot like Christmas around uh, the city and around in our homes and, and, uh, and here too at Springhouse. And so uh, it's a joyful, a joyful time. Uh, and one of the encouragements that I want to, to, to give you, one of the um, things that I felt like the Lord uh, wanted me to present to our body is let's purpose to not allow this Christmas season to be ordinary. Let's purpose in our hearts and our minds to be searching for God. I know so many times we get stuck in the rut of our routine, and we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. We get so stuck in the rut of our routine, and this is happening, and this happening, and even sometimes in our traditions, not to say that traditions are bad, but mixed into our traditions, we forget to look for Him and His fresh word and, and what He's doing. And guess what, guys? He does have a fresh word for you. He has a word for you today, and He has a word for you now and throughout this season. So, May we be purposed to really look for the Lord in this, in this season. Uh, as I stated earlier, I believe that today that the Lord wants to do something. And specifically what he was ministering to me is that he said, Kevin, I want to revive dreams in the people, in my people. I want to restore hope in some of those who have lost hope. I want to bust up the routines for people who are so tied down to, to routine. And, uh, and I want to remind my people of my promise 
promises. And so I hope today that I, I am able to be used from the Lord to, to convey those, those very things that he is, he's wanting to, to convey this morning. Christmas time is, uh, as, as it is for many of you, one of my favorite times of the year. And I'm reminded of a time when I was seven or eight years old. And I remember going to my mom before Christmas and I, I really wanted a, a piano keyboard. I don't know if you've ever owned a little piano keyboard, but I, I wanted a piano keyboard because I wanted to, I wanted to play piano. Uh, and so I, I went to my mom and I just said, mom, if you would get this piano keyboard for me, I won't ever, ever, ever ask you for anything else ever again. Has anybody ever made that promise? I said, I would never, ever ask you for anything else again. If you'll get me this piano keyboard, I won't ask for anything else uh, again. And I was just so hopeful that I would get this, this piano keyboard. And lo and behold, Christmas morning came and there right by the tree on its stand was this piano keyboard. And I went over and I was so happy. There was, I know the, there was a smile on my face from ear to ear. And, and, and I was just so excited about this piano keyboard. And I went over there and I turned it on and I was pushing the keys and I was, and, and there was, there were these little buttons that, that did little songs on it. And there was these, there were these buttons on it that did instruments and, and percussion. And, and I was able to play the, the notes along with the, the percussion and, and along with the instruments. And I would play that piano over and over and over again and over and over again for an entire week. And then after that week, that piano went under the bed. And I didn't play with that piano very much after that. And to this day, I regret that choice because I have always wanted to learn how to play piano. In fact, uh, there was a time in Pittsburgh where a prophetic word was spoken over me. And uh, it was that I would be leading worship from a, music, from a musical point of view, from an instrumental point of view. And I thought to myself, man, if I just stayed with that piano and I, if I would have just put in the time. But you see, there have been moments ever since I got that keyboard to my age now where I had attempted to go down the path of learning how to play the keyboard piano. And every time I attempted to start within a week or two, I would quit because it was too hard because it was too difficult. I didn't have the patience that was required to learn. I just wanted to be somebody who knew how to get up and lead worship without going through the process that it took to get there. I wonder how many of us have, have slid promises and dreams under the bed because we were not willing to go through the process, through the valley, through the hard times, through the, through the trials and the tribulation how many of us have let go of things that God has said to us because we weren't willing to, to stick it out when things got tough, when our circumstances around us said opposite of what the dreams were, opposite of what you have been believing for? I wonder how many things that we have let go of that we have allowed to lie dormant because we were not willing to continue to put in the work no matter how it felt or how, many, how long it, it took. I regret not learning how to play the keyboard. I regret not continuing to, to, to push through in, in that way. And so today on this um, first Advent, we're going to, we're going to read a, a story from the book of, uh, the book of Luke. And uh, so if you'll stand with me at your home or you can sit on the couch if you want, we're going to read this together. They're going to put this on the screens for you. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because of Elizabeth, was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. 
But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you again for your promises. And I ask, Lord, that your word would not return void today and speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe today that God wants to revive dreams, restore hope, bust up routines and remind you of his promises. And in order for us to bring some meaning to where we are in the scripture today, we have to go back to the end of the Old Testament. You do know that there are two Testaments in the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Just before the curtain closes on the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi is warning people of the destruction to come to those who will continue to turn away from the Lord. And this is what he says in chapter four. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and the evildoers will stumble. And the day is coming that he will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked and they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all of Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. And so the curtain closes with that prophecy. And then act two opens and we pick up the story here with eyewitness accounts over 400 years later. There's a 400 year gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
400 years have passed since the last prophecy recorded in our Bible and the story that is conveyed here. For more than 400 years, these people are holding on to a promise of a coming Messiah. Can you imagine what more than 400 years must have seemed like? We can't wait more than 20 minutes before we abandon the things that God has told us to do if he doesn't give them to us right away. 400 years. What faithfulness and courage it must have taken to continue to hold fast to the promise from generation to generation to generation. I want to tell you today that sometimes God's promises to you are not for you, but they're for a generation to come. Sometimes the things that God has for you, the promises that he gives you aren't necessarily for you today, but they are for, uh, for a generation to come. You understand that you play a role in the story, but it does not start and it does not end with you or me. Our story does not start with us and it does not end with us, though we get to play a role in the continuing evolution of God's promise to his people. They were praying for this promise to come. Do you understand that there have been praying grandparents on your behalf? There have been praying great-grandparents on your behalf. There have been praying great-great-great-grandparents on your behalf that have journeyed and forged a way to prepare the way of the Lord so that you today would know him. And it doesn't really matter whether or not they were in your bloodline. Somebody's grandparent forged the way for the person who introduced you to Jesus. Somebody carried the mantle forward and they told the story of his faithfulness. Somebody carried the story and the mantle and told of God's promises and of answered prayers. They carried the faith and they kept it alive so that you and I could be standing here today on Sunday talking about the goodness of God. So it is vital that I share my story with my kids. It's vital that you share your story with your children so that they will have the power and the strength to overcome by both the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Our story is so important. What God has done is so important. When God moves to share about it, it's so important. And so it's the beginning of Advent. And at this time, we set our eyes on remembering Jesus coming to earth as a baby. And while he is the most significant part of the Christmas story, the Christmas story actually doesn't start there with him. It started in Judea with an old man named Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, as Luke records. He begins by introducing us to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And he's sure to note that Zechariah was the priest in the priest line of Abijah. And Elizabeth is of the line of, of Aaron. And what would seem to be as two random people would actually be two who could trace their lineage back to Aaron, who is the first high priest we learn about in Exodus. You're going to see through the evolution of this story. And, and so is true about all of the stories in the New Testament is that they are the fulfillment of what has been told that was going to come. God always keeps his word and he always keeps his promises. Nothing he says does not come to pass. Everything he says comes to pass. It had to be this way because Zechariah belonged to the line of priests who were allowed to go into the temple and offer incense. If he didn't belong to this line, he would have never had the, been the one who was chosen to have the opportunity to go into the holy place in the temple. And there he would have not encountered the angel Gabriel. Zechariah and Elizabeth were blameless before the Lord. With Zechariah executing his ordinary duties as priest. But they had an issue. As many of us do, many of us have issues. And their issue was this, Elizabeth was barren. She could not have any kids. And they were also very old, although I don't know that old age is necessarily an issue, but it is an issue when you're trying to have kids. And so they were very old and they were barren. And so her time of fertility was over. She was too old to have a baby. In other words, they stopped playing Marvin Gaye songs when they closed the night out. The time for that was passed. The season had passed. 
This would have been tragic for Elizabeth in particular because great shame was associated with the inability to have children. Great shame. Especially if you weren't able to have a son. So you can imagine that there were many years of prayer, fervent prayer that came from Elizabeth and came from Zechariah, pleading with the Lord to allow them to have a child. And it seemed as if God was silent on the issue. Have you ever prayed about something over and over and over again? Day after day, night after night, week after week, year after year, and it felt as if God was just silent on the issue. You've been believing by faith that it would happen, but it just seems like God isn't listening. And depending on what it is, maybe it caused you to be driven to your knees in in desperation. Maybe it caused you to cry out to God, but it just seemed like radio silence on the other end. Maybe his lack of answering you has caused you to question his ability to do something about it, or dare I say, make you question his reality altogether. Can I just encourage you for a minute this morning and tell you, friends, that God hears your prayer. He's heard every single one of your prayers. The arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too heavy that it cannot hear you. There are so many times in my small, what seems to be insignificant story that I have cried out to God and he has chosen not to answer because had he answered on my timeline, things would have ended up worse than where they began. I think of Joseph. I think of Joseph's story in the Old Testament where he had gone through such tragedy where he was thrown into a pit from his brothers and totally given these, uh, totally placed in these predicaments that he did not cause for himself. He did not deserve to be in the places that he was put in. Such such injustice. And I have to believe that in that 13 year period between the pit and where he was second in command with Pharaoh, he had to have cried out to the Lord and say, why is this going on, God? Why have you forsaken me? Why would you not pull me out of this? God, won't you save me? And it seemed like God had radio silence on the other end. But don't you know, had God pulled him out before his appointed time, he would have never been there when the famine was coming. He would have never been there to receive his brothers and to be able to sustain them with the food that they needed to continue the storyline of the gospel. God has a plan that's far above ours, far better than anything that we can imagine. And though it seems like there might be radio silence, I wanna encourage you to continue to persevere in your prayer life. Continue to trust him for his promises. God does hear you and he does answer his prayers, your prayers. He does answer in due season and due time. We are told that Zechariah was chosen by lot to go into the temple and burn incense. To be chosen by lot basically sort of meant to have your name drawn, except for, uh, you know, in their culture, when, when you were chosen by lot, they believed that God had everything to do with, with, with that choice. And so he was selected. Zechariah was selected. And they actually chose three priests to serve. The first would clean the altar space and prepare it for the sacrifice. The second would kill the sacrifice and sprinkle the blood on the altar. And the third would be the one who had the honor of going into the most holy place and to burn incense and to pray to the Lord. Zacharias would have participated in the choosing of these three individuals for a majority of his life. He was accustomed to the routine. He was accustomed to going and seeing people being chosen for these specific roles. And because of how many priests there there were, it would have been very unlikely that Zechariah would have ever been chosen. And if a priest was chosen, it was a once and a lifetime opportunity to go into the temple to this very special place and do this very special job. How many know that he is the God of once in a lifetime opportunities? He is the God of once in a lifetime opportunities. And so it was for Zechariah. Zechariah would have been a mixture of excitement and being humbled and, and nervous He probably wrote down and memorized the prayer that he was going to go in and and say when he was in the temple. This wasn't something he took lightly. And while this was an ordinary event for the people, 
It was an extraordinary moment for Zechariah, yet Zechariah didn't realize exactly how extraordinary it was going to be. And so the day has come and Zechariah is ready to go into the temple, both captivated by, by what he's going to get to see, but extremely reverent because he wasn't there to spectate. He was there to be in the presence of God and to pray for Israel that the Messiah may come. Then the unexpected happens. An angel appears. And we see often with the appearance of angels in scripture that the angel's first words to Zechariah are, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now I want you to remember that Zechariah and Elizabeth were very old and it was very, it was extremely unlikely that their prayers had dramatically I'm sorry, it was extremely likely that their prayers had dramatically decreased when it came to, I want to have a son. They were old in age. They were beyond those years. And it's extremely likely that there was a a decrease in, Lord, let us have a child because of where they were in their season of life. It's almost as if maybe they gave up on the hope of that coming to pass or being. The word doesn't necessarily say that, but it's very, it's very likely. And it's very unlikely that when Zechariah was in the temple, this, this extraordinary once in a lifetime moment, that the first thing out of his mouth was, let us have a child. Zechariah would have gone in like the other priest in this reverent space. And he would have prayed for the people Israel and he would have prayed for the coming Messiah. But how many know that there's always more when it comes to God? There's always more when it comes to God. And so here he is with this angel appearing. And it says that it grips him with fear. And Gabriel says, you indeed are going to have a son. God has heard your prayer. And not only are you going to have a son, but God is about to redeem his people Israel because the Messiah is coming. And your son is going to be the one to pave the path to prepare people for the way of the Lord. What must it have been for Zechariah to hear these words? What must have it been for, for, for the angel Gabriel to say to Zechariah, you're going to have a son. I'm going to answer that prayer, but there's more to the story. But Zechariah answers like so many of us answer this question answers whenever we hear from God. And he says this, how can I be sure of this? How can I be sure of this? And instead of Zechariah responding to the faithfulness of God and God's ability to do things, he responds out of the middle of his circumstances. We tend to be so much more familiar with our circumstances than we are the ability of our God. And we wonder why he's not doing anything or why he's not answering our prayers. And it might be because we keep telling him why it can't happen instead of trusting him as if it can. When our circumstances become so much more familiar than the relationship we have with God, our circumstances begin to define our reality. It would have been one thing if we were talking about people who were not living for God, but the word tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were faithful to God. They were living exemplary lives. They were living living lives to honoring God. They were doing all of the right thing. Some of us are checking off all the boxes. We are reading the word. We are going to church. We are serving. We're doing all the right things, but there's so much more in God than just following the rules. Do you understand that there is a higher reason to do all of the things that we do? There's a higher reason. When we read the word, it's not just for knowledge. When we go to church, it's not just to build the community that's around us. When we serve other people, it's not just to, it's not to get a pat on the back. It's not necessarily just to help them. When we pray, it's not just to check that off the list. The reason that we do all of these things is to lay a foundation and set the framework for us to have an experience with the living God. One of the main differences between Christianity and other religions is that our God is alive and he's alive today. But it could be that when we worship and when we pray, we do so as if he was dead and not alive. 
Could it be that you are so consumed with the religious practices and doing the right thing that if you had a visitation from the living God, like Zechariah did, you would not recognize who he was and you would not believe what he had to say. Zechariah had gone through the motions of all of his ancestors. He had checked all the boxes he was supposed to check off. And then when he was confronted with the answer to his prayer in the most abundant form, he looks to his circumstances instead of God. How many of us are looking toward our circumstances instead of God? How many are in the middle of the valley and all we are consumed with in our prayer life is how do I get out of this valley instead of trusting what lies beyond the valley? He is the God of promise. He is the God of life. He is not the God of death. And though he has promised us that we were gonna have times of trouble and tribulation, he also offers us promises that we will be delivered from those things if we trust him. Let me ask you something. Do you trust him? What have you been trusting the Lord with lately? What has your prayer life been reduced to? Have you fallen into a mundane nature of just praying things out of habit instead of praying as if they really could come to pass? Or is it like this keyboard being slid under the bed where you say, well, that was for that season, but things have gotten too hard. So there's no promise for me left. I believe that God wants to revive some of the promises and the prayers that he has in your life. I believe that God wants to revive and resuscitate some of those dreams that he's given you because he wants to say to you, friends, today that he has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten what he said and every word that he said will come to pass. Do you believe him today? What is your prayer life like? Have we gotten so much into the routine of this world? I know I am a creature of routine. I like things to be routine. I like there to be rules and guidelines, although I press the boundaries often with those things. I'm a creature of habit just like you. But guys, as we are creatures of habit, we can fall prey to these routines that our eyes get focused onto the wrong thing. Guys, we are not supposed to be worshiping our routines. We're supposed to be worshiping this God. The kingdom of God is not about a set of routines. It's not about a a set of religious practices or traditions. The, The kingdom of God is about a person. And Zechariah has just been given this promise. He has been given this, this answer to prayer that his son was going to prepare a way for this promise to come. I wonder what it's like in your prayer life right now. In my prayer life, God was convicting me this week. What am, I, what am I hoping for? Yes, my hope is in Jesus. I know him. I'm trying to do all of the right things, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth. But I believe that God is saying, I have so much more. What do you believe in God for, guys? What, what keeps you up at night? Not, not through the trepidation or the trial, but what keeps you at, up at night because of the excitement of what he's doing? And when he begins to move and he begins to answer the prayers in your life, are you skeptical of what he's doing? Are you evaluating your circumstances and saying, oh no, God, you couldn't really be moving this way because of what he said or what she did? Is your belief reduced to the circumstances around you? Or do you believe your God is so much bigger than the circumstances that you're in? I'm telling you right now, God is so much more. He is so much more. Some of you have been praying for things out of a place of routine instead of a place of faith. And I believe that God wants to revive some of those dormant prayers today. I believe that God wants to reaffirm promises that because of your circumstances, you decided could not happen. But let me tell you something, your circumstances do not hinder God's ability to fulfill his promises. Your circumstances do not hinder God's ability to fulfill his promises. I'm sorry, I just have to say this. I thought all week, Megan Bragg, you have been on my heart. I don't know if you're watching this morning and I believe that he's going to heal your body. I believe he's so, he says, I believe the Lord says, just continue to press into me. Don't forget, I have not relented. He's not going to relent. Do not relent on him. Continue to put that promise. Guys, are you trusting the Lord for healing? Some of you are trusting the Lord for salvations. Don't relent. Continue to press in. 
Some of you are, are believing God for healing and you just have wondered why you've had to carry something for so many years, but I believe God wants to heal you. Continue to press in. He is a God who can do it. Some of you have been trusting for a prodigal to come home. Let me tell you something, that prodigal is gonna come home. You continue to press in. He is the God of more. He is the God of abundant. He has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten us. 400 years passed between the last prophecy and what was recorded today. Can you wait just a little bit longer? Can you press in just a little bit longer? Can you trust him just a little bit more for what he's going to do? Guys, I wanna trust God with big things. I wanna see his testimonies break out all over this place. But let me tell you something, he's not gonna be able to move if we don't have the faith for him to do so. Are you trusting God with what he has promised you? Do you have a fresh word from the Lord? It is such a privilege to have a word from the Lord. It is so good. It's so fresh to have a word from the Lord. Do you understand that for Zechariah and Elizabeth, this changes everything? This word changes everything everything. And I wonder if you and I would be able to muster up enough faith to have an experience with God that would cause us to say, this changes everything. Guys, I want God to be so present in my life that he changes everything. I want, it to be, I want him to shake it up so much that I can't rely on the things that are stable in my life. I've got to rely on him. And I only can rely on him if he changes the things around me because I get so accustomed and used to, to the things that are in my life. I use them as a crutch and I trust them as I start to stumble through life instead of looking to him and saying, God, you can carry me through all of this. God, he is that. God is out to change things in your life. He is a God of so much more. We are creatures of habit. We are creatures of routine. And believe me, I love a good routine, like I said, but I believe God is wanting to bust up some of our religious routines so that when he does answer our prayers, and he does grant promises. We are quick to praise him for what he's done and not question him because of our lack of faith. Listen, the kingdom of God, again, is not about following a bunch of rules. The kingdom of God is about a person. And Zechariah is going to be the father of the one who gets to prepare the way for this very special promised Messiah. You see, Zechariah would have, would have just been content to have a son, but there's always more with God. His son was not just going to be an answer to a small prayer. Guys, I need you to increase your faith, increase your prayer. Incre if you're trusting God for this much, move it to this much. Allow your faith to be so matured and so growing that it excites you to begin to believe that God is going to do everything he says he does, he's going to do. And when he does it, make sure you tell somebody. Make sure you tell somebody when he heals you. Make sure he, you tell somebody when the prodigal comes home. The, the, the angel, I'm getting so far off my notes, but, but the angel, the angel says to Zechariah, because of your doubt in this moment, I am gonna cause you to go mute and I'm going to silence you. And God just so struck me with a chord because Zechariah had such good news to say and he couldn't say it. And you know what God said? He said, that's how my people feel. They're content with not saying anything. Are we content with being silent about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we content with our lives the way they are? And maybe the next good string of luck will come by and that will pay off our, our last note due to the bills. But no, we need to trust this God. He is so much bigger and so much more than we could ever imagine. Because of his lack of faith and doubt, Zechariah was struck dumb and mute. And so all the people were gathered outside the temple waiting for this routine blessing that he was supposed to come out and share. But he stayed in the temple just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer because he was having an experience with God. Some of us are so eager to rush out when we're having the experience before the experience is over. The people were outside and they were wondering because it was only supposed to take a certain amount of time, but it took longer. And there were people in the history that were struck dead in the temple court because they stayed there too, because of a variety of reasons, they were struck dead. And they began to wonder, is Zechariah alive? And he comes out and he is unable to speak. And the people are there and they're wondering what is going on? What has happened? 
But Zechariah did not get to give the blessing because he could not speak. There's nothing greater that will silence your voice in the kingdom than to doubt something that God said he was going to do. I love that what God does, even in our weaknesses, even when we're having to walk through a trial, even when we're having to walk through an affliction that he has allowed to happen, I love that God always uses everything and turns it to good because Zechariah wasn't the only one that God had something for that day. Elizabeth was about to have her shame and her disgrace lifted from her. And when she became pregnant, the word tells us that she went into seclusion for the first five months. And this wasn't to hide the fact that she was pregnant or she would have gone into seclusion on the latter half of the pregnancy. But I believe this was for Elizabeth to have an encounter with the presence of God. And it was time for her to be in awe and wonder of the Lord because you see, God answered a prayer and delivered on a promise one that seemed impossible. And I believe it caused Elizabeth to go to this this place where it says, this changes everything. Her shame was removed and the prayer was answered and every routine she had known was about to be busted up. If you're a parent in this place, you know that when a child arrives on the scene, there's no such thing as routine. Everything changes. And for Elizabeth, everything was about to change. And it wasn't just because a baby was gonna be born, but it was because this particular child was going to be born. But God always has more because he says, Elizabeth, the shame that you have chosen to take up, now you can lay down. Some of us, because we have been waiting for so long for an answer to prayer, we have taken up things that do not belong to us. We've allowed ourselves to be called things that we should not be answering to. Are you answering to something that is not your name? Are you answering to something today that is not supposed to be ascribed to you because you've been waiting on a promise to be fulfilled or a prayer to be answered that's not been prayed yet, that's not been answered yet? Elizabeth ascribed, because it says, she says, you have removed this disgrace from me. So she ascribed herself to the disgrace, but she did not hold on long enough to know that God was not through with her and that she was going, he was going to answer the promise that he had for her, the prayer that she, had been, that she had been praying. He was going to answer that prayer for Elizabeth. I believe that there may have been a few moments of repentance in those five months. Lord, forgive me for not trusting that you would hear and answer my prayer. Forgive my lack of faith. Forgive me for for accepting and wearing the chains of shame and guilt instead of grabbing hold of the hope that I have in you. And let me tell you something, because of the blood of Jesus, you can walk in repentance today and you can turn away from that old mindset. You can turn away from the mindset of shame and guilt and decide that you are highly favored in the Lord because that's the word he has for you today, friends. He, you are blessed. You 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 are above, not beneath. He has a promise for you and you can claim these things and let go of the things that the world has tried to put on you. Let them go. Press in more. What prayers have you been praying that have become just routine? What promises have you let go of because it seems as if your circumstances won't allow it to happen? God wants to remind you of who he is today and what he is capable of. Psalm 34 uh, 37.4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him. And guess what it says? He will act. He will act. But you gotta gotta commit your way to the Lord. You gotta trust in him. But sometimes we just stop there. We need to wait because he's going to act. Wait for him to act. He's going to act on your behalf. I believe it. Do you believe it? Let's get excited about the promises that God has, has given us. Proverbs, Proverbs 4, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness and said, he is patient with you. Not wanting any one of us to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. When it was time to have the baby, Elizabeth indeed had a son. You know, there was no, uh, is it sonogram? There was no, there was no way of, of knowing whether or not it was gonna be a girl or a boy until it arrived. 
And when he arrived, it was indeed a son. And everybody greatly rejoiced. And when it came time to name the baby, everyone wanted to call him Zechariah. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. Isn't it interesting that the first thing people want to do is call your blessing or answered prayer something that it's not? Isn't it interesting that when God makes a promise to you and he answers that prayer, that everybody around you wants to call it something that it's not? The very people who shamed Elizabeth for not having a baby are the same people who wanted to give him a name. And they didn't back down. In fact, they treated Elizabeth in this moment in the same manner they treated her before she was pregnant, but it didn't work because the prayer had been answered. They tried to take her voice away from her for she said, his name is John. And they said, it's irrational. And they told her it didn't make sense. So they turned on her and went to her husband, Zechariah. Surely he would have some sense. And so they went to Zechariah confident that he would agree with them. And he asked them for something to write with. And when he wrote the words, his name is John, it wasn't a discussion. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a declaration. And at that exact moment, Zachariah's tongue was set free. And where before the first thing that came out of his mouth with the angel was doubt, this time, the first thing that came out of his mouth was praise. Guys, when God begins to answer us, when he removes things from us, our first response ought to be praise. Our first response, but I wanna even say something even deeper than that. What if you praise in the time of wait? What if we actually took time and said, I'm going to thank you right now for the things that I don't even have. I'm going to, I'm going to thank you right now in the midst of this valley. I'm going to praise you for the other side. In the midst of this not being healed, God, I'm going to praise you for the healing. Though the prodigal has not come home, God, I'm going to praise you as if the prodigal is here with me. Come on out here, worship team. Though, though it's the midnight hour, God, and I'm crying out to you and I'm in pain and I've been so, so tied down in change of guilt and shame. God, I'm gonna trust you enough to believe that your word says something different about me than everybody else around me says. There are, there's a dying world out there that has made agreements with people who have no business calling them anything. What are the things that you're holding on to? What are these prayers that are deep down, these promises that are deep down inside? Maybe it's from when you were seven or eight years old. Maybe it was to play the piano. Maybe it was something, whatever it is. My prayer today is that those dreams and those promises would begin to take on life and that your hope, if it's lost, would be restored. And I don't know, maybe I'm only talking to me today, but I needed some restored hope this week. Because friends, he's not done. He's not even really started. And just like this, this awaited promise for, for well over 400 years, but this gap between the, between the two, we are in the same place. We get to pray for things and he answers those prayers. But at the same time, we're waiting for this Jesus to arrive back on the scene again. We're in these same places. And when God appears to me, I don't want to look at him and say, but God, you can't do anything about my circumstances. I want to look at him and say, God, I trust you despite my circumstances. What are you trusting God for? What excites you? This is a, this is a season of anticipation. One of the best things about being around a Christmas tree is the gifts that are underneath that are wrapped and you don't know what they are, but you know something in there is good. God has good promises for you. And it may not be time to unwrap those promises, but you can operate in the anticipation for those good things to come. I was reminded this week as I prepared for this, God had brought back to memory about 13, 14 years ago. I had, um, well, I'm sorry, 20 years ago. It started 20 years ago. I uh, had gotten a word from the Lord and the word of the Lord was, I'm going to bless you beyond what you could ever imagine. And you are gonna be fruitful and multiply. And I didn't really understand exactly what that meant. It seemed very generic until about 13 years ago when I had just exited a really bad relationship with this girl. And 
coming out of that relationship, I began to pray to the Lord. Before that, I prayed, God, would you provide for me a wife who hasn't been tainted from the world, who hasn't been touched, who hasn't been down roads, Lord. And I would pray that prayer, but after getting out of this bad relationship, because of the guilt and shame that I carried from that relationship, my prayer shifted. And my prayer shifted to say, God, I remember praying distinctly, God, if you could, if you could help me to have a woman who is just a little blemished, if, if she just that, that she hasn't been in too many bad places. And, and Lord, if you would just give me somebody who is at least mostly whole. And I, and I genuinely made that my prayer. And then around the table at Thanksgiving this week, I had my kids for the first time. We did this. We had them stand up and they wrote down what they were thankful for. And I looked across at my wife who the Lord had given me answering a prayer before 20 years ago when the word was given to me. He knew he had Sherry in mind for me. And she was perfect. I was her first everything. And though I was guilty and had shame, the Lord gave me perfection. And I'm looking at my children and they are giving thanks around the table and they're saying things like, I'm so grateful to have a dad who is present. I'm so thankful for a Jesus who loves me, every single one of them. And I know that there are going to be moments in my kid's life where they're going to go through trials and tribulation. But my prayer right now is to be a beyond that. My hope for my kids is the promise that goes beyond that because it's not just about me. It doesn't start and end with me. It goes beyond me into the next generation. And it goes beyond you into the next generation. The things you're hoping for God to move in your life, that the prayers that you're hoping that he will answer, he will answer those. Why? Because he just wants you to get the credit and he just wants to take it. No, guys, he is about something so much bigger than you. And when you tell the story of how he answered that prayer, how the prodigal came home and how he healed your body and how he did X, Y, and Z, those are stories that you pass on to the next generation, to the next generation, because there's gonna come a day where there's gonna be a generation who's gonna get to see the sky open and see Jesus come. And I want it to be because I was able in this time, at this day and age, to trust in the Lord Almighty in his hand and that he has so much more than my circumstances around me. And guys, he has so much more for you than the circumstances that you're in. Can we hope for something more this season? Can we walk in the anticipation of this Christ child who's to come and that he moves in our lives today and that he's alive today? Can we do that? Can we make a commitment? Let me tell you something right now, folks. It is a privilege to have a word from the Lord. And he has a word ready for every single one of you. May he revive your dreams Maybe, may he restore hope. Maybe, may he bust up the routines in your life so that we can have an encounter and an experience with this living God. And may it be a place where we say, God, this changes everything. Let's worship.